If you have God's Word, if you will turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, one of the most instructive chapters that we have in God's Word about the Lord's Supper and uh, how sad it had to be a church that was abusing the Lord's Supper that led to Paul's instructions that came from the mouth of the Lord uh, to us. Uh, If you were in Sunday school today, uh, we studied about Solomon and how all of this came from one shepherd, our great king, the Lord Jesus Christ. These words may have been penned by different people, but they are all the Lord's words. Uh, look with me in chapter 11, uh, beginning about verse 23. Verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup... You proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Now this is what our instructions are. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, and he's talking about the body of Christ, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, what an exciting time it always is in the life of our church when we get to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Father, my prayer for each of us is that we would be prepared, that we would examine our hearts and our lives, and that, Father, we would be prepared to celebrate rightly in a worthy manner the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's somebody here today that's not ready to celebrate, Lord, I pray the convicting power of your Holy Spirit would work on their heart and their mind. That, Father, they would repent. and They would do whatever's necessary to be in a right frame of mind, to be in a right spirit, to have a forgiving heart, so that, Lord, they can celebrate the wonderful thing that you've done for us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray these things in His name. Amen. You know, the Word of God tells us a lot of stuff about what God has done for us. I think probably uh, a favorite verse ought to be 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. As the Apostle John, who was the beloved disciple, the one who was probably Jesus' first cousin, uh, the one who, who was at the very heart of who Jesus was, he was one of the the chosen ones. He was the one who leaned his head back on Jesus' uh, chest as they celebrated the Lord's Supper together. 
a very special person to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what he said. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. How great a love the Father has lavished. Every time I think of that word lavished, I think of spreading butter on a biscuit, Larry. I like butter and biscuit, right? Now y'all are hungry now, right? But you ask my daughters when, when it came time to put butter on a biscuit, ask who they would rather have, me or their mama, putting butter on their biscuits. Mama puts a little dollop about like that, and I just cover the biscuit because it's not any good if it's not lavished. If it's not slathered with butter, it's just not any good. So God has lavished His love on us. Isn't that a great truth? Isn't it great to know that God is not tight-fisted, holding on and barely letting stuff go, but He literally has just lavished His love on us. So much so that we are called the children of God. And the reason why we're called the children of God is because we are the children of God. That is the great love that the Father has granted to us. When we come to celebrate the Lord's Supper, it is an act of remembrance. It's also an act of proclamation. We are to remember, first of all, the crucified body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why did Jesus have to be crucified? Well, apart from His death, apart from His death, our sin problem could never be dealt with. Jesus Christ came to this earth and lived a life that you and I could never live. He lived without sin. So that he might become the perfect substitute. So that he might die in our place. His body was crucified. And that crucified body made it possible for you and I to be brought back into a right relationship with God. We're also to remember the blood that he shed. Because without the shedding of blood, according to the scripture, there is no forgiveness of sins. If you want your sins forgiven, it required the blood of a perfect sacrifice, and that's exactly what Jesus Christ became for us. So the Lord's Supper is an act of remembrance, but it's also a time of proclamation. It's where you and I proclaim to the rest of the world, look, our Jesus and Jesus alone, through His perfect atoning sacrifice, was able to bring about our forgiveness of sin. He not only, though, brings about our forgiveness of sin... Jesus died not just for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. For God so loved the world that He gave the very best that heaven had so that you and I could remember and so that you and I could celebrate, so that you and I can proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. So we ought to celebrate with thankful hearts, shouldn't we? If we have been made children of God, we who were sinners by nature and by choice, we ought to celebrate with thanksgiving knowing that we have a Savior that loved us enough to take our place, to die for us. Now, when we come to remember the Lord's Supper, we need to remember the Lord's Supper. We need to remember the Lord and we need to remember the sacrifice. That's exactly what this early church was not doing. This early church was more concerned about their position in the church. They were more concerned about their own physical appetites than they were 
serving the Lord. And so with that in mind, that's why Paul says, examine yourselves to make sure that you celebrate in a worthy manner. Notice he didn't say you're not worthy to celebrate. People get that. Worthy, in this case, is unworthy is an adverb. Okay, it's not an adjective. Now, I need to have an English teacher come up here and explain to y'all the difference between adverbs and adjectives. We are worthy because of what Jesus Christ did for us. He's the one that makes us worthy. But when we celebrate in an unworthy manner, it means our attitudes and our hearts are not right with God. And so as we come this morning before we celebrate the Lord's Supper, I just want you to take an opportunity to examine yourself this morning. First of all, if you're not a Christian, I want you to examine your heart. Where are you today? Maybe you're, maybe you're suffering today. Maybe you're hopeless today. Maybe your heart is heavy because of all of what you see going on around you with all the floods and all the famine and all the pestilence and, and all the murder and the killing and all that kind of stuff. Maybe your heart is just so heavy. Maybe you're hopeless today. I want you to understand you do not have to stay in that condition. There is a Savior who loves you. He loves you enough that He was willing to die. Jesus said, greater love than this had no man than this that He would lay down His life for His friends. Well, guys, we're not Jesus' friends. We're His enemies. We're enemies of the cross. We're sinners by nature and by choice. And God loved us anyway. God has lavished His love on all of us. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Would you like to have rest today? He can come from only one Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, the way you need to examine your heart and your life is that you need to get saved. You need to cry out to God and say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I don't deserve anything you've done for me, but I understand from what your word says that you love me. And you didn't just say you love me. You showed me how much you love me by sending Jesus Christ to take my penalty upon himself at the cross. And Lord, I just cry out to you to be merciful to me. I know I don't deserve it, but save me, Lord, here today. Come into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. That's the preparation that you need to make today if you're not saved. That's the preparation that you can make today so that you can celebrate the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner. Paul, specifically in this particular chapter, though, is writing to Christians. And he wants them to examine their hearts. Their hearts were so callous, they reminded me of the crowd that was at the day that Pilate is trying to find a way to release Jesus Christ and, of course, we know that the religious establishment and the religious leaders had twisted the hearts and minds of the people so that they cried out for the crucifixion of Jesus. And Pilate kept trying to release him. And finally, it says in Matthew chapter 27, verses 24 through 26, it says, When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. And he said, I am innocent of this man's blood. He says, it is your responsibility. Now listen to this. Listen to how callous people can be. All the people answered, let his blood be on us and our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged 
and handed him over to be crucified. How callous can you be towards an innocent man, one who had never sinned? Pilate, I don't care what you say. Let his blood be on us. We don't care. He deserves to be crucified. Guys, we as Christians, if we're not careful, sometimes our heart gets callous just like that. So when you come to examine your own heart, ask these questions of yourself. Don't be worried about somebody else. Don't be worried. I know somebody that needs to hear this message. You know, I know how people are when we get in a, in a situation like this. We think, oh, well, oh, so-and-so really needs to hear this. No, every one of us needs to hear this. And every one of us need to examine our lives before God. So ask yourself the question, where are you in your walk with God today? Are you closer to Jesus today than you were yesterday? Are you serious about following Jesus Christ? Are you willing to allow Him to be the Lord of your life? That means He gets to control what you do, where you go, and what you say, what you watch on television, the relationships that you have. Are you willing to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Jesus said it this way, If you love me, you will or you shall Obey my commandments. Jesus gave, didn't give suggestions. He gave commandments. And we're supposed to follow them. The two greatest ones are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And the second one is to love our neighbor as ourselves. That means the person sitting in the pew next to you. That means the person sitting on the other side of the church that you haven't spoken to in a while. That means that person that just rubs you the wrong way. God wants you to love them. John wrote, Jesus is the propitiation of our sins. That means the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know Him. If we keep His commandments. If we say, or whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments, He is a liar. You know, when I was growing up, if somebody would have called me a liar, we'd just had a fist fight right there. I hated being called a liar. But John tells us, if we say that we love the Lord, and yet we don't keep His commandments, we're a liar, and the truth is not in us. He goes on to say, but whoever keeps His word, in Him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in Him. Whoever says He abides in Him ought to walk in the same way. That he walked. How did Jesus walk? He walked in obedience to his Father. And that's the way you and I ought to walk. As you continue examining your heart, let me ask you another question. Have you confessed every known sin in your life? Sometimes we confess every sin except for one or two that we just want to hold on to. We just don't want to give up. Have you confessed every sin what an affront to Jesus Christ if you've got sin in your heart that He died to forgive and you're unwilling to let Him cleanse you of that sin in your life. Of course, we know from 1 John, if we confess our sins, that He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Another thing this morning, are you holding a grudge against somebody? Are you angry? At somebody 
Have you been hurt by somebody and just can't let it go? You know what the Lord's Prayer teaches us? Lord, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. The clear implication of that scripture is if we're not willing to forgive others, we can't expect forgiveness from God ourselves. If you've got something in your heart this morning, before you celebrate the Lord's Supper, you need to get that right with God and with your brother, sister in Christ. Colossians 3.12 tells us this, that we're to have compassionate hearts, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So if you've got something against a brother or sister in Christ, you need to forgive them. I don't care what it is. I don't care how bad it is. You need to forgive them. Now, that doesn't mean you're supposed to put yourself in the same place to get hurt the same way again. But you are to forgive your brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, Jesus was so clear about this. He says, if you come to the altar to offer a gift and you remember that your brother has something against you or you've got something against your brother, God says, leave that gift at the altar. Go reconcile with your brother or sister in Christ. And then come back and offer the gift. Notice he didn't give you an option. He didn't say, well, just take your gift and go home because you don't want to forgive. He says, no, go get it right with your brother or sister. Get it straightened out and then come back and offer the gift that you come to make at the altar. Those are just a few of the things that we ought to ask our hearts and our minds this morning as we come to celebrate this wonderful remembrance, this wonderful celebration of what Jesus Christ has done for us. What great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God and that is what we are. Are you excited about being God's child this morning? You may not belong to anybody else. You may feel all alone today. But if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're his child and he loves you and he's shown you just how much he loves you. So let me just make two observations and then we're going to have a hymn of invitation. First of all, if you're a Christian and you absolutely refuse to get your heart and life right with the Lord today, I would just warn you, it's probably not a good thing to take the Lord's Supper. Paul said, because these people had partaken of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, some of them had gotten sick. And some of them had actually died. That's pretty serious business, isn't it? Unconfessed sin in your life is a big deal. It's not a little deal, it's a big deal. If Jesus died to pay the penalty of your sins by holding on to your sins, you're, you're thumbing your nose up in the face of God. And so if you're unwilling to get your heart right with the Lord this morning, I would just suggest that you refrain from celebrating the Lord's Supper. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're refusing to accept His perfect gift, His gift of salvation, then I would suggest to you that you don't celebrate the Lord's Supper. Because you can't remember something or somebody if you haven't accepted the gift that they've offered. 
And so if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would just say don't do it. Now, my first thing would say, if you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, accept Him right now, and then you can celebrate with joy. So just in a minute, we're going to stand and we're going to all bow our heads, and I'm just going to ask Miss Debbie to come play something if she would. And maybe you just need to spend some time in prayer getting your heart ready to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Maybe you need to get saved today. If you do, I'm going to stand right down front and just come down and, and say, Pastor, I want to invite Jesus Christ into my heart, and I'll be more than happy to talk with you and pray with you. If you're here today and, and you know your heart's not where it needs to be as a Christian, maybe you just need to come flood this altar. You know what would do this pastor's heart good? If this altar had so many people here, we had to make space. If you can't kneel down at the altar, that's okay. Come sit just as an act of obedience to Christ. Come sit on the front pew and bow your head. If God is speaking to your heart, if He's dealing with you today, you need to answer to Him. Let's stand together if you would. And just everybody bow your head and close your eyes. Miss Debbie, if you'd play. If there's something that you need to get right with a brother and sister in Christ, now's the time to do that. So let's everybody pray.